if a business owner really wants to grow, there has to come a point where they let go of control, they start to empower team members. You almost want them to reach a point where they realize if the, the business is dependent on them so heavily, it's the business is actually broken. And the, even though sometimes a lot of business owners being big picture thinkers, you know, they'll see a problem in the world, they'll go out there and solve that problem, they'll address whatever is urgent and in front of their face, and that's what you need to do to get the business uh, off the ground. And for that reason, oftentimes they aren't systems-minded or think about process. And because they think that they're not systems-minded or process-driven, they think that their staff wouldn't be or someone else wouldn't be. And it's a little bit of a misconception that they have that even if I had systems and processes in place, my team wouldn't follow them. And that's couldn't be further from the truth. Great team members, A players, they love to understand how they can excel in their job and their role. If through a system or a process, if you can outline for them what success looks like, give them a roadmap, uh, then oftentimes those team members really embrace it. The right people will love that and run with it. time when you have no choice but to innovate and for many of us that's as scary as hell but it can also be the most exciting adventure for the first time since world war ii we have the opportunity to change everything to make our world a better place for those of us in business that means making your team and customers worlds better i'm judy selmans host of the engage to innovate podcast talking all things innovation. So relax, take some time out from your schedule and immerse yourself in the learnings shared by our guests. Welcome to the Engage to Innovate podcast. I'm Judy Silmans and this week with my co-host Eric's, we're delving into systems and how they play a vital role in innovation. What might seem to be analytical, even a bit of a dry topic is gonna to be fascinating with David Jennings. David is so committed to systems that he even developed his own innovative platform called System Hub to help you manage them. David's a seasoned entrepreneur spanning from retail to founding one of Australia's most trusted digital agencies, Melbourne SEO and Video, as well as an Amazon bestseller. Just as well, I take a mouthful when I read all of that. Such a talented man we were privileged to speak to. So a big welcome to the Engage to Innovate podcast, David. Yay. Thank you for the lovely introduction. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. And as Eric's here, um, if I could jump straight in with a big question. You say your business can run without you. How does that work? Business is really just a collection of different systems and subsystems make up, you know, different departments within the business. So it's just a matter of being able to identify what those systems are, becoming aware of them and understanding that there are some minimum systems required for your business to work and we need to capture those and once they're captured, we can find the right people who can then execute on those. So you don't have person dependency, whether it's the business owner or any team member for that matter. You want to make sure that um, your business can operate um, regardless of if someone's on holidays or sick or needs some time off for their family or whatever the reason, you just don't want to ever be in that situation. So it really is, you know, it starts with the business owner because the business owner oftentimes has built uh, this business around them that's so heavily dependent on them, but then it extends beyond that. Once you can uh, enable the business owner to step out of different functions of the business and have parts of the business continue, uh, then you want to do that with your key team members as well. And that's that's really how you start to build what we call total business reliability. Actually, that um, do you find that this happens dependent on the size of the business? I mean, obviously, if you start business on your own, which is you know largely how many of us start, and you you've got everything tucked up in your head, so it's like 
it's that what how it's often I think the hardest thing is to let go of your business and go let go of your idea and and go and you want to trust it with other people is that an obstacle do you think that's one of the biggest obstacles that a business owner needs to overcome because they got the business up and running they solved all the problems when they popped up and a lot of the skills that they've developed have just gotten stronger and stronger when it comes to things like micromanaging team members and results to make sure that you the company is able to deliver to a certain standard and because they've gotten really good at that it just keeps on reinforcing that behavior uh, to the point mm. where they feel like a lot of their success is due to that behavior so it then makes it and it rightly so it is that's how they got the business yeah. off the ground but then once you get to a certain size and you've got a little bit of traction and you start to get some team members around you it's those behaviors then that stunt further growth within the business things start to plateau move sideways the business oftentimes um, has very limited capacity because everything is getting bottlenecked um, through a few key team members, uh, business owner being one of them. Uh, so it's a very tough bridge to cross for a lot of business owners because you need to break these habits that have served you so well up until this point in time. I also think that it would be very frustrating working if you're coming into a small business and you want to grow with that business and you want to see opportunities and um, a lot of those in the workforce are looking for places they can grow and develop as a, uh, themselves. And if you're working for someone that's keeping it all in themselves, I've got an example actually of a committee we were on once and, and this guy was running this committee like it was his business, but he wouldn't tell anybody where anything was or oh my goodness, it drove us every, it just, you couldn't achieve anything. So I guess it's a bit like that, you know, so it's not exactly good for morale as well. It's a pretty common problem that you see in, in lots of different areas. I think if a business owner really wants to grow, there has to come a point where they let go of control. They start to empower team members. You almost want them to reach a point where they realize if the, the business is dependent on them so heavily, it's the business is actually broken. And the, even though sometimes a lot of business owners being big picture thinkers, they're, you know, they'll see a problem in the world, they'll go out there and solve that problem, they'll address whatever is urgent and in front of their face, and that's what you need to do to get the business uh, off the ground. And for that reason, oftentimes yeah. they aren't systems-minded or think about process. And because they think that they're not systems-minded or process-driven, they think that their staff wouldn't be or someone else wouldn't be. And it's a little bit of a misconception that they have that even if I had systems and processes in place, my team wouldn't follow them. And that's couldn't be further from the truth. Great team right. members, A players, they love to understand how they can excel in their job and their role. If through a system or a process, if you can outline for them what success looks like, give them a roadmap, uh, then oftentimes those team members really embrace it. The right people will love that and run with it. It's um, system and process really does start to set a lot of people free, whether it's the business owner or the team members. Um, and I think there's this picture of systemization uh, and wanting to systemize like McDonald's. That's another big misconception. Yeah. They think that all the systems need to be written for a dummy uh, or to, yeah. to dummy proof your business. And I, I remember hearing an interview uh, with uh, Reed Hastings, who's the founder of Netflix, and he was talking about this idea They, as they started to grow and develop some systems and processes, they really thought about, dummy proofing their business by putting all of this red tape and systems and process and then he said the only problem was the only people that we were attracting to the business who wanted to work there were dummies and we yeah. kind of had this realization <laughs> that it, it's not necessarily about dummy proofing the business and systems don't need to be written for a 15 year old where you're describing every painstaking detail because you're trying to teach them how to flip burgers 
I guess that's the fine line, isn't it? Because a lot of people would think, you're right, even though I understood the analogy of the McDonald's, it was only actually when you just said that that I thought, okay, so I'm not writing a system that says um, open Excel document, um, go to X worksheet, you know, that, 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 so you're not micro-systemising, is that a word? Yeah, <laughs> um, and it'll depend on the role and the task and who's been employed for it. So certain tasks you might go into more detail when you do document it. If you've got lower skilled labour and high turnover, then maybe it makes sense. But for certain tasks or functions within the business where you've got higher skilled team members and you're going to be recruiting highly skilled team members if that person were to leave, there's going to be a certain level of knowledge that you're going to be recruiting for and expecting them to have. So the systems are more about teaching your way of doing things and giving guide rails than it is spoon feeding the person. Yep. So does that lead then to people being able to still exercise initiative? Definitely. I think a lot of that has to do with the culture that you create within the organization. So one of the things I suggest is, as you build out your values list, you might include systems thinking as one of your values that you're always looking to seek out and create systems-based solutions for recurring tasks and challenges. So what a lot of systems do is they enable the person to get a great result uh, consistently by following this process, uh, but we're not looking to build robots here. We, we want to encourage the idea that... Uh, the organization is still open for innovation of systems. And, you know, if you find a better way to do it, depending on who the, the system owner is or the relevant team members, you, you bring it up with them. You, you're wanting yeah. to create that sort of innovation. And I think, you know, in, in the marketplace in the world that we live in today, that that's most definitely needed. And it'll be in certain parts of the business as well. Maybe, the innovation on how to issue out an invoice through zero is going to be low. Maybe once you've got that process down, there isn't going to be huge innovation. But maybe when it comes to your marketing processes, new things are going to be developed and you want to find out new avenues and ways to bring your message to market. Um, so it, it will depend on the department and um, you, you just want to make sure that you encourage that within your team and you want them to know that uh, making mistakes is also okay. We, we always say that the if there's a problem that occurs, the first place that we look is towards the system. Was it that something wasn't covered off or mentioned in the system? Uh, if, if it was uh, missing something, we can add that in. We make the adjustment, we, we improve, and that gives team members a, a safe place to know that they can make mistakes because it's not their problem um, directly necessarily, particularly if they follow the process, it's, it's the fault of the system, and we're always looking to improve the system. And, you know, the, the subtext there is and if they haven't followed the system and then the issue has occurred, then, okay, well, we need to now look at how do we train that team member and make sure that they're still following the system or the process until they're able to execute it at minimum to the standards that have been you know, outlined in that system or process. That makes total sense. I, I get, you know, it's interesting because I, in some ways, my creative side of me feels like a system is stifling that. But what I'm hearing from you is that, you know, provided that the environment is managed properly, that you can still be creative and and uh, within a systematic approach so that the business still flows and we don't have any, you know. Definitely. And you've <laughs> just touched on a real key point, and this speaks particularly to business owners and the creative people on your team because that is one of the big misconceptions that systems remove creativity the thing is that it is actually the reverse it increases creativity because what ends up happening is if you're able to create space space is where all the creativity happens certain functions within business need to happen day in day out consistently to a set process. And if you have to think about those, you're taking valuable thinking time away from being creative. 
So you need to invoice people. You need to collect that money. You need to be paying your expenses and doing your BAS. You need to be onboarding clients. You need to be managing some of your HR and your management processes. Some of those things just need to happen consistently. Uh, Mm. But if you're having to think about that and constantly drive those and even just keep solving the same problems over and over because you haven't put a systems-based solution in, you're zapping that creative space. When, as a business owner, once you're able to step out of working in the operations of your business because you've captured those systems, you've passed on that responsibility to the relevant team member, then the business owner can do what they do best. They can bring their creativity in. They can solve high quality problems, the ones that are really going to move the needle and have the biggest impact because they have space mm. to do it. It's the classic working on it rather than in it. You you need yep. to get the systems in place uh, so that you're able to work on it. And that's, that's where you're most creative. And it's the same with, you know, if I, I remember doing some work with a... Um, a uh, web design agency who was applying some of our systemology methodology in their company. And they had some real concerns around trying to systemize and what that would mean to their designers. And, um, you know, if we would be trying to put them in a box and that would then Mm. remove that creativity. What they found was though, there were certain elements of the designer's job that uh, could be systemized that just made that process easier or made it easier with handover. So, for example, even just the system for the way a project was set up, the way that a staging server was set up, where the files were stored, what the folder structure looked like, how they would onboard a client, when they would communicate with the client. Getting that down and organised and using some templates meant that when the designer got to the job of design, um, they, they had the space to know that they could be their most creative because they didn't have to worry about all of these other things circling around in my head like, oh, did I send them the right Dropbox link or yeah. did I get all of the information I needed when they filled out the questionnaire to get started? So it's, yeah, it yeah. definitely I, helps. I think that so many particularly creatives um, forget that there's, well, like they just they don't understand the system or they haven't thought about that they actually do some mundane everyday things that if systemized would in fact be easier for them I was chatting to a a group of tennis coaches a couple of months back and they're all complaining because all they want to do is be on the court they just want to hit balls that's they want to play tennis and of course their their biggest concern and their bitch was that they're spending you know it was something like 80 90 percent of their time was doing the mundane the marketing the books the accounts all of that stuff which they absolutely hate because they're creative people and and talking to you now is making me think maybe for a creative person in fact systems would be even more advantageous because it would help them you know just go, okay, that's that system job and I could farm out that system job, you know, yeah. to make it easier. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting. It's funny, I, I think of, when I think of business owners and people who start businesses, I see them as incredibly creative people. They are artists. When someone yeah. creates a business, you're creating something out of nothing and you're, you know, really fashioning it based on the vision that you have in your brain. So, yeah, most definitely systems and processes uh, allow a, a huge amount of of extra reach there. I think another good example is you look at something like some of our, our greatest creative thinkers of our time and past, like you think of like your Einstein and Jobs yep. and Zuckerberg. I mean, it's a pretty common example where people talk about they wear the same thing every day and the reason they cite it is it's a very basic system that enables them to not have to use any of their decision-making power on what they're going to wear. And then that then frees them up to focus on the more important decisions they need to make out throughout the day. You know, I've got to just quickly say there, that's they're all blokes. Yes. And, you know, this would be really, really challenging for a female. So, <laughs> anyway, just put that out there. What, what was that lady? She's probably not the best example, but did you ever see um, there's that lady who... I can't remember the name of 
the company, it was a medical company. Um, they wrote a book about it called Bad Blood, and she kind of modelled herself off jobs, and she uh, took on, oh, it was almost like a uniform, so, but you're yeah. right. Yeah. They're, they're right yeah. uh, we might need to think of a different, slightly more complex. I, I just think of poor Julia Gillard who really copped it because she didn't wear the right clothes and she had the wrong colour hair and shit and, you know, go. And so, yeah, anyway, just put it out there. that this, just I liked your examples, but they're all blokes. So although I love the idea of a uniform and, and because it, it is simpler, it's so much simpler just to get up and go, you don't have to worry about this, This okay, what am I going to wear today? Who am I meeting with? And as a girl, okay, sorry, time to take, yeah, conversation needs to go back to you blokes, but um, it's just a frustration. I want a system. Uh, it's all good. Just something I wanted to pick up on, um, David, is you know, out of these different types of team members and so on, and with the trend towards outsourcing, in your methods and your systems and the way you bring, bring people onto your platform. So can that include, for instance, if you have a big Upwork team, for instance? Most definitely. Uh, I think systems and processes probably even goes double when you're working with someone who's not familiar with your way of doing things. Existing team members over time, once you've got a system and a process and they internalize it and they reach that point of saying, this is just how we do things here. Um, that That's fantastic. When it comes to your up workers, they won't be familiar, particularly, I mean, so, some providers you will work with over a period of time and they'll learn that. Um, but if you've got new people that you're bringing on board to work on little projects here and there, if you can share with them a system and a process that outlines this is what success looks like this is the way that i would like this particular task to be done uh, then that becomes incredibly powerful it, because systems what they really are when you think about them at their core it's a method of training team members how do you bring someone with little or no knowledge of the way that you're doing things very quickly up to speed at the lowest possible cost, like as in it's not necessarily um, requiring a team member to sit down and show them exactly. So you're looking to turn your system or your business almost into a school where you're able to take someone who's uneducated, very quickly educate them on how you want something done. So I think it applies there. When it comes to maybe some outsourced partners that maybe it's a bookkeeper who handles a lot of your finance side of things. They're not uh, on staff, so to speak. It's not like they're on the payroll. Uh, they're more like an independent contractor. Again, you might just think a little bit about how it's structured. You still want to capture something though. You don't want to just have that just in their head because what happens now you've got an extra level of risk that you've got in your business if something happens to them and their business. Um, how can you have the confidence to know that the work will be completed and consistently done to the appropriate standard? Whereas if you've got some very basic documentation that even that outsourced provider might be able to help you create, it might just be a basic checklist or an overview of what they're doing, then that puts you in a much safer position um, it it reduces risk and anxiety and mm. um, makes the business more scalable, makes it more saleable uh, because that's the real game here. We want to make sure that we build up our business to the point at which um, it is saleable. Whether or not you sell it or not is irrelevant, but if you build a business that's sellable and um, that's that's a business that doesn't have person dependency, that has clear documentation yeah. on how everything's done. There's a clear way of doing things. Uh, the business runs with the precision of a Swiss watch and hmm. um, it would pass due diligence. If if someone were to look at the business, uh, one of the thir first things they, two things they'll look at. One is your financial performance. Is the business actually profitable? The second thing they'll look at is will this business continue to operate to the same standard if the business owner walks out the door or some of those few key team members. Yeah. So it's, is it fair to say then that 
what you mentioned earlier about culture and the values list, that that is communicated as well in, in the process. So again, these upworkers can at least get get some understanding of that and then so they they so they do feel emotionally connected even though outsourcing you know is is a yeah you know, can be a fairly detached kind of process but in our own experience when you get to know people over a while um and they do become sort of part of your culture i i, I would isn't that important most definitely i when i think about building out the minimum systems required to operate your business. Um, we think about sales and marketing and onboarding of clients, the delivery of the product or service, um, making sure that your client's coming back. We talk about finance and HR and management. Um, of all of those, I generally say, uh, as you're doing this for the first time, just capture what you're doing as it currently is, even if it's not perfect. Having something down and then making sure that everybody can follow that to a consistent standard is a big win. I make one exception to that rule, and that is for underneath human resources, the onboarding of staff and hiring. So it's, yeah, how do you find that right person? How do you uh, embed that systems thinking, demonstrate the way that you do things up front. And it might be as simple as when you run your ad, in your example, let's say on Upwork, you might include a link to a system or a process that would be relevant to the task that you're asking them to complete. And you say in that job ad, you know, this, this is the type of thing that you will be doing. And we have some systems and processes to point you in the right direction. If you're not comfortable following systems and process, then you're probably not a good fit for this and, and don't apply. And there's a range of different places you can insert little elements of that into the process from the, as we said, recruitment process uh, through to then the onboarding process where they're looking at your values, where you're showing the systems and processes that are relevant to them as you're showing them your software stack and how you're integrating the, the the work that they need to do and the standards that you want them to hit. Like it's all interconnected. So I do say for the hiring and onboarding, let's, let's re-engineer that to put our best foot forward and demonstrate a systems-based culture right up front because you do that. And then what it does is then the people who aren't the right fit, they just mm. don't continue and they self-select themselves out of the process. Uh, and, and that's ideally what you want to have happen as early in the process as possible because over time, you're right. The, I mean, the real wins that will come, it's as you build up these relationships with these outsource providers and team members, they get a level of understanding um, the way that you like things done and to the standard that you're asking. And if um, training up, like training up and getting some up to speed takes time and it takes money. Mm. So if you're able yeah. to reduce that amount of time by working with someone over a long period of time, that's that's a great win to the business. Yeah, absolutely. I, I must admit I quite like this, um, uh, in, particularly in, in the Upwork because I, you know, I do tend to outsource tasks regularly uh, and find that a really good way of doing it. But then, yes, the amount of time it takes to sift through some of the stuff and, and so I'm, I might even... Uh, I think it was a great tip yeah. about including the link yeah. Yeah, to, agree. to your own systems. I think that's terrific. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to ask then, David, about your actual platform and the way if someone was starting off with you, uh, how that works and, and, and how your platform works within a business. Yeah, so there's a, a few pieces. I find when people start to think about systemization, they they often think about the software. Um, and if I mean, oftentimes if I'm doing a presentation or I'm able to share something on my iPad, I'll, I'll draw out an iceberg as a good example of that. And the bit that people right. see above the water is the software, it's the tools, and they think that, 
if they get the right piece of software or tools, that's going to magically make systemization work for them and, and change the culture in the business. But really what moves an iceberg is what sits underneath the water. And underneath the water, if you're able to visualize that, um, it's not just about the tools, which sits above the water. You want to make sure that uh, you have a, a level of, there's three outcomes that we try and work towards and meet. It's a level of certainty. So you need to get your systems and your processes documented that outline the standard that you want things done to. And then that needs to be stored somewhere, a central location that could be easily accessible. Then the next outcome we focus on is then systems performance, which has a lot to do with how efficient are the tools that you're using? How are you creating accountability? So who is doing what by when? Oftentimes that relates to a project management platform. And then the way that you integrate that with your um, systems or SOP management platform, uh, which then explains the how-to. So there's a little bit of a, an interplay there. And then the final outcome that we really suggest people need to get right to, to make this work is then to get buy-in from the staff because it's mm. it's one right. thing to have your systems documented. It's another thing to have the tools into place. But unless the team are actually going to follow it and you change that culture, it, it doesn't really matter if you've got those other two. They, they all work together. And then once you're able to to deliver those three outcomes, that's what gets you that total business reliability that you're ultimately gunning for. And that's what would be at the base of the iceberg. So we, I started off with the software. And the reason I tell you that is because we developed System Hub first, and I've worked with hundreds of companies, taking them through the process of removing the business owner from the operations. And I look at yeah. those that have succeeded from those uh, that haven't. And um, it's really just understanding that there's a lot more to it than just the tool. And that's what set me on the journey a good few years ago now to develop also um, my systemology model, which really goes hand in hand with System Hub. If you think System Hub is the software, that's where you store the systems and the processes and the how-to documents, uh, then systemology is more the training. It's the it's our system for systemizing a business that covers mm. things like, well, which systems do you capture first? How do you make it easy for your staff to capture those? How do you remove the business owner from the development of these systems? How do you get the buy-in and what do, how do you organize your systems and processes and get that performance you're after? How do you then scale as in what are the systems that you need to think about to actually grow like what are the minimum systems and then finally in that process the last step is actually optimization and i think again another area a lot of people get wrong is they try and when they systemize they're trying to make the system perfect first time round they're trying to engineer the system rather than just capturing what they're currently doing, which is where I suggest you start, capture what you're doing. Just figure out if you've got a, a good team member, let's say you've got a business and you've got a sales team, go to your best salesperson and capture what they're saying on the phone, how they answer objections, record that, capture, capture it as a script, and then train your other staff what your best team member is doing. You'll get huge wins just by modeling your best team member or the, the person who's able to deliver that result the best and then get everybody up to that standard. Just do that before you try and optimize, before you try and tweak things and make it just perfect because it's the making of it perfect that then stops you from implementing and then or slows down the speed at which you implement, which then slows down the speed at which you get a result. And then you reach the conclusion that systems are just too hard or you're not right yeah. for systemization or yeah, I've tried to systemize in the past and I've failed. So it's, yeah. I suppose in answer to that question, uh, Erica was, yeah, a, a combination of the system hub platform, uh, which, right. which is that how to information. And then more recently systemology. And I'm, I'm into the final stages at the moment, actually of, of writing uh, my book, which will then outline the systemology model. Well, that'll be fascinating because it, it, it must seem formidable to many people at first. 
uh, that that you go through all of this just to get uh, the, the basics underway. But the, the, the way you've explained that makes it a lot more logical that you're not trying to accept perfection up front, which would be <laughs> honest, that, that would be my issue because I'm a yeah. perfectionist. That's just how I am. But uh, yeah, to be able to work on that basis is is very reassuring. I, I'd also I challenge have, uh... Uh, you as well, Eric, if you're looking to get some of this in place and you're working with some outsources, I would create a system for creating systems or just take ours. We give it away for free on systemhub.com. Uh, and go right. to your up workers and ask them to create the system. Get them to right. do version one. If if it relies on the shoulders or sits on the shoulders of the business owner, systems and processes, they are important, but they're never urgent. The business owner has a to-do list 100 miles long that they never get to the yeah. bottom of, so they'll never actually get around to it. So the, the real key is to think about, how to empower the team and make it easy for them to create the system or the process. You can get in there and tweak it later, but you just want to get something down. Otherwise it'll forever be the roadblock, particularly for the perfectionist in you. And I only say that because I'm a uh, recovering perfectionist. Slash <laughs> manager, so I'm, I'm, Is there a support group somewhere? That's right. I'm speaking <laughs> to myself. Yeah. No, I think that's a terrific idea because builds relationships as well, that the the whole thing about people being involved and collaborating with you, and certainly from our point of view, from an innovation perspective, that, 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 that people are part of it. They don't feel like it's something that just is being handed to them out of the blue because because otherwise then, you know, you'll get some resistance. It's a primal reaction to change. As, as yeah. human beings, we don't like it very much. Our brains don't like you know, changing our neural patterns. So I think that, that, that uh, I think it's very encouraging to hear you talk about it that way, that, uh, that, that your people are actually the best ones to come up with the system, not necessarily the founder. Yes, you touched on a real key thing here, and it speaks to the um, integration stage uh, in the systemology model. That right. idea of introducing it to the team, and this really is a change management issue, and there will be resistance. Typically, the biggest resistance will come from your existing staff, which means you will face that resistance early in the piece. Later on, once you get these systems and processes in place and you recruit new team members and they come on board, this is all they ever know. They've only known your right. systemized approach. So they've even gone through your recruitment and your onboarding and your induction. So they, they know how you work and there's no surprises there. So it, it does get easier, but it will be the most difficult upfront introducing it to team members who've been with you for a long time, who've seen you come up with other great hairbrained ideas, who've seen, <laughs> you know, the business owner jump from one thing to the next. So they're, they're, right. they're used to these sorts of things, which then means there's a, a level of resistance and they don't know the commitment of the business owner to now really follow through with this um, because it is challenging at the start and you'll go through a process um, you, you want to get your team involved in that process as early as possible. You want them involved in the creation of the systems. You want them to play a part in selecting which are the most critical systems that they feel they need to be documented. You need to position it so they understand the win to them, not just to the organization. Let them know that by getting their systems and processes documented, it means when they have a holiday, tasks can still get completed and then they can come back and they don't feel like they're staring down an inbox with a thousand emails that need to now be addressed because nothing was done while they were on leave. Um, or yep. maybe you let them know that by creating systems and processes that enables them to delegate parts of their job, which then enable them to get promoted. Like it all comes down to understanding them and their unique situation, help them to understand what the benefit is to them, not just to the organization, make it really easy. And 
Um, yes, there may be people who don't fit with this new culture that you're looking at building, and that's okay. They've helped you grow the business to one point. That doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be the right person to help you grow it to that next point. Um, there are a lot of people that you will be able to find that will resonate with the way that you're trying to build the business, and you really just want to find them and work with them because your business is broken if it is dependent on a specific person and literally doesn't work without them, be it the business owner or anyone else. You know, I see another huge advantage to systems and I'm listening to you because I was dealing with a company a couple of weeks ago and I had um, given them um, a job I wanted done and, you know, a fairly major job for us. And the guy I was dealing with went on holiday and while he was away, one of the other team members sent me some information related to my job and I had to get one of our team members to create their part of it and send it back. Turned out I was given the wrong information. Their systems completely failed. Uh, I was put under huge stress. It screwed with our deadlines. I've then gone completely off the deep end at them, clearly, because, yeah. you know, my whole everything's fallen apart. So my system's fallen apart because their system fell apart. So the advantage I can also see here is for from a customer's perspective. Oh, so, sure. yeah, I'm, and and it's so you, you know as a customer what the system is of, of how you're dealing with them, that you can trust them and that if that person's not there, you know someone else is going to be able to deal with that issue. Um, so it feels like it's just a bit of a no-brainer, but, I'll yeah, I'm, I'm learning every day here. If, if you're able to build a business that can consistently deliver the desired outcome for your clients, um, if you're able to consistently deliver value for them that isn't person dependent and it's consistent. So every time they're, they're, you're delivering that same level of standard that you've outlined, that's when your yeah. life will change. Once you're able to do that, it just makes everything better. That's really all clients want. Clients want mm -hmm. to know that they're paying for a service. They don't even mind paying more. It doesn't have to be the cheapest solution. If you know that you're going to get the result and the result that you're happy with, then oftentimes people are happy to pay more. It is it is about giving the client that uh, confidence. That will keep them coming back. That will get them referring more people through to your business. And that's the ultimate game here. Um, that makes you much more... Uh, effective because you know in business one of the biggest costs you'll have will be in acquiring new customers so once you've got a customer if you're able to keep them or get them referring um, you've just dramatically reduced mm. potentially what what could be one of your biggest expenses yep is it fair to say then that implementing a really good customer oriented system it gives you the basis of creating a real point of difference as well. POD is one of my hobby horses, so I'm, I'm really keen uh, to hear about this because it seems to me that if you can devise a new and innovative way of making life easier for your customer in, in a systems fashion, you, you have to be getting ahead of the pack that way. Yeah. It, um, I mean, there's some things that we, we don't cover in systemology. I, I say systemology is all about taking what's currently working, capturing it so you can can it and clone it and then scale it and ultimately sell it. Um, one of the foundations though that we open up with is you need to be solving a genuine problem that your target audience has. So there needs to be a clear problem. Right. You need to actually be able to solve that problem if you're able to do that simply and elegantly uh, and, and it's delivering that desired outcome, I, th I think that does enable you to stand out in the marketplace. A lot of people will make big promises and then fall short on delivery. Um, some people haven't identified a clear problem that they're, they're actually trying to solve. So it's a real point of difference to get very clear on that problem, that target audience that you're solving that problem for, how you're actually solving that problem, having a clear process. And the first step in 
systemology, we have a, a process we call um, the critical client flow. We call it CCF for short. It's really about designing the customer and business journey that uh, someone would go through for your central product or service. So you think about how you're getting the clients, how you're answering the phone or the inquiry, how they're getting sold, how you're onboarding that client, how you're delivering the core product or service, and then how you're getting them to come back or to refer. If you map that out first, that is the best place for you start to start to systemize. Just by you know what we talked through just then, that there might be 15 systems there. It's the um, it's the 80-20. If if you focus on those 20% of the systems, that is what's delivering 80% of the result within your business. So just focus on getting those right. That's another common problem I see when people think about systemization. They get overwhelmed thinking about all of the things that they could potentially systemize, and then they're systemizing things that doesn't directly impact the client experience or the the bottom line and they're they're systemizing things that you know may not even need to be systemized the the key here is when you get started is how do you focus on those critical few uh, and if you're able to systemize the critical client flow you're able to deliver your core product or service without the business owner dependency and once you do that that's that's when you really start to open up your capacity yeah this question I wanted to put to you, uh, relating back to your background in retail, which is ex uh, quite extensive, and I was really uh, interested in this, that given all the current pressures and discussion about retail, and, and actually it doesn't matter whether it's bricks and mortar or online, to be honest, that what, what's, what's your view on how retail could move forward on a systems basis that, that that we see all these immense stresses going on at the moment do you do you have a view on that yeah as uh, business becomes more competitive uh, right. business needs to become more efficient to give themselves enough wiggle room so traditional retail bricks and mortar is actually something that's a very competitive space. It's been around for a very long time. So it's uh, the methods and everything have uh, evolved quite a lot. So really to, to be able to biz build a business in that space and, and do it successfully. That's why so many businesses go out of business because they're, they're not able to compete with all of the people that have been in the game and collected that knowledge and have a way of doing things and, having defined it that's they're trying to catch up and then compete with some of someone who effectively if you think of it like the metaphor of a um, a marathon that person already has two hours head start on you and now you're trying to catch up to them so you have to do things smarter and more efficiently so i think from that perspective in a bricks and mortar they're required in internet business there was a period there you know if we go back 15 20 years when even probably as, as early as probably the last five years even i mean the marketplace and online is just getting more and more competitive um, which means you have to get more and more efficient to be able to compete in those marketplaces so while you could have acted loose and fast you know, many moons ago when the internet was first right. breaking out, you, you just don't have that opportunity anymore. Um, and, and that happens with everything. It's just, it's it's an arbitrage opportunity that, um, you know, Google AdWords once provided tremendous opportunity and great return on investment for the money that you would put into it because it was a young platform that not very many people were using or fully understood. But today... We now see it's an incredibly efficient platform with a lot of competition using it. And that's why we see the cost of that platform going up significantly. So to use Google AdWords, you really need to know what you're doing. Otherwise, your lunch is going to get eaten by someone else who does know what they're doing. Um, again, Facebook, similarly, um, when it first started, you know, we were all getting five and 10 cent clicks from Facebook uh, ads when we would run ads and you can run targeted ads to specific 
demographics and get your message in front of that audience very, very cheaply. But it evolves over time and it's gotten more competitive. The price has gone up, um, the rules have come in, and now you just have to be better at it. So what, yeah. what I see systems and process, uh, what, what it does is it captures best practice process and then enables you to innovate on that. So you don't have to keep solving the same problem perpetually over and over and again. You can just keep improving it. Um, I don't know right. if I went on a bit of a, a rant there, Eric. No, that's absolutely fascinating because, I, and what you said earlier about actually leveraging the knowledge in the business as well is, is, is part of this. And what you've just said about, you know, going, if I could um, uh, paraphrase what you said, that instead of going round in circles, perhaps reinventing the same thing all the time, that, that put in your best practice, keep going, and then be able to improve it so you're not, not mm. questioning it, if, if, if that's right. What, because um, you, What did uh, Einstein call the eighth wonder of the world? Does anyone know? Oh God! Oh, I'll tell you. No, uh, it was com- compound you. interest was the eighth uh, wonder of the world, and I feel like there is a level of compound interest that is earned as you start to install these systems and processes over time. They become right. more and more valuable once you start to layer multiple systems, and these multiple systems save you a little bit of time, little bit of energy, little bit of efficiency. And it, it builds this snowball and you're continuing to optimize it and improve it and get better and better. And it becomes your way of doing things. And um, that's really where the magic happens. That's why I'm so passionate about making it part of the culture within the organization, because it, it really is a way of doing things. And that's where you'll get the biggest wins. Well, I also, I'm going to try wrapping this up because otherwise we'll natter on for too long and, you know, don't want to bore everybody completely. Hang not on, that we would be. Sorry, I'm, yeah. you know, we're not remotely boring. But I just, I want to, <laughs> oh, foot in mouth disease. Um, I have that regularly, by the way. Uh, you, but I just, I, I want to, you know, you're an innovator. So you've, you've clearly been somebody who's taken... Uh, throughout all of your business history with your entrepreneurial journeys and things. So so what makes you innovate? What what is it that is your what what do you think it is that makes somebody that sort of personality? I think when you look at a lot of great businesses, there are often two types of personalities that really need to exist for you to get explosive growth you've got to have your your visionary or your leader like it's the the founder oftentimes they're that creative person and then you'll also have the yin to that yang is the integrator or the manager it's it's the person who then you know if the visionary creates all of the mess and the chaos, it's the integrator who then goes in to bring the order and the structure and make sure that the team is following process and things like that. So I I don't know if it's something that you're just born with being a a creator Um, and some people are more naturally um, organizers and then Mm. some people just like to follow process. So I'm not, this is something that I've just always been um, yeah. And it's always existed. I've always known it's there. Um, and sometimes I used to think, oh, you know, I, re- I even remembered when I first got started and I'd try and create entrepreneurial opportunities for other team members, thinking that that would get them excited and something that they would run with because that's something that I would have liked yeah. working somewhere. And then I realized, you know, that's, that's not always the case for everybody. Some, some people just yeah. aren't wired that way. So I think a big part of it is, is just finding out uh, what you're strong in and doubling down on that and then building out team members around you that complement that. There is nothing Mm. right or wrong. I know at the moment, this whole idea of entrepreneurship and being an entrepreneur is a sexy topic and everybody wants to be (laughs) the next 
internet millionaire. Um, mm. But there is no no shame in being uh, the the right hand person who is the organizer or the integrator or even just being you know employee number ten at yeah. the next Facebook. Um, who's yep. helping fulfilling that vision? It's that that's also fine as well. It's yeah. There's I think you just kind of have to recognize where your strength is and really play to those. And that's yeah. That's what I've I've tried to do and just learnt it more and more as I've gone. And it's funny you kind of sometimes discredit or devalue the information that you might have as an individual because you kind of know it and it just feels like it's natural and of course people should know these things but then you start to talk about it and you share some of these ideas and then you start to realize maybe it's not so common and and that's yeah when you have a little bit of you know maybe further insight that you've got something to share well it feels like your systemology model and the system hub implementation would be great for an entrepreneur who does have the vision but needs that operational thinking and doing structure yes structure yeah so important that you must be uh, very well placed to 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 provide that yes yep i always just say as long as it's uh not the business owner that's driving this initiative forward it's important that they understand what's going on but systemology right. is really designed for the team to implement because the, the business owner oftentimes doesn't need another thing. And part of what got them to where they are right now and the position they're in is because they're the ones driving everything. So that's one of the f first habits we try and break, which is how how can we start to empower that team? But I'm I'm obviously a little bit biased, so it's good to hear that you, you can see that we're well positioned as well because I, I feel we've got something very unique here. I, I actually, I know totally. It was one of the reasons I wanted to chat to you in about innovation because it's. I think so many people just think, oh, there's so many examples of of innovation that apparently just appear out of the ether, but we all know that that doesn't quite happen like that. And you know, it it took a while to get Uber off the ground. You know, so uh, and and it's systems I think that are often a missing link particularly with the creative aspect that is often associated with innovation and you know with our work with a system that we've developed with innovation it's not about being a creative genius and I've over the years worked with many smaller businesses as well and I often they'll come to you with a problem and you just you actually just talk them through it and they solve the problem themselves uh, and, and they become quite creative, as you just said, you know, within their own space, they, they know how to be creative. And that's, that's often all it takes. It's not about me being, you know, the, the next um, Andy Warhol and, and painting the, you know, whatever. So it's, it's yeah, it's, it's, that, it's not that sort of creativity that we all have it in us and having a systematic approach and bringing on, people that can work with you and balance with you so that you can actually deliver. Because, of course, innovation isn't the idea. Innovation is a commercial success and successful business and, I, and concept. So it's it goes beyond that. And I think so many people just, they get a bit trapped in that cycle. Yeah. And I, I don't even class myself as overly systematic. I just respect the systems enough to know if I've got the right people on the team who you know we've built this culture because I know how powerful they can be and all that does is that then gives me the space to do the innovation and be creative which is really where I add the most value to the business because that's that's what I'm great at doing um, but the documenting of a system or a process I don't I don't write our systems and processes that's mm. not what I do I can um, we've got some easy methods or some ways to to capture what it is that I do and then the team step in behind to create the system and codify it and make it possible to then have that knowledge passed. Yeah, uh, it's just, look, over the years, just as a sideline, um, I have sat next to Eric's working for uh, quite a long time 
And I have to say there are sometimes I overhear a conversation he has with clients and I go, oh, God, if I could only record both sides of this and I bottled it, I'd probably make a small fortune when he disappears or decides not doesn't want to do any more work because <laughs> seriously, that, that was so repetitive in so many ways. Um, and that's why I love your ideas that, you know, I've heard you before talk about, you know, just even recording what someone does and go, that just makes so much sense. And getting it out of that other person's head is... is you take yeah. it for granted. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. David, tell me where people can get more information about Systemology and System Hub. Perfect. The two best places to go would be the website. So I've got www.systemhub.com and the second one was www.systemology.com. So we've got obviously the the software and the training. And, uh, yeah, thanks again for having us on the show. No, not a problem. And you've got your own podcast. We should put in a quick shout out about your business processes simplified uh, podcast where you convert your interviews into procedure templates as yeah, well, really which like is that a idea. nice innovation. Very cool idea. Yes. Yeah. That's okay. excellent. And we look forward to your book. Yes, yes, definitely. So we'll put some links in at the uh, in the notes here so that people can get involved and thanks again. Fantastic. Thank you. 